I love the last line of that video. And the greatest thing is we get to do this together. I'm Tom Denon, if you don't know me, for those of you who may not. And uh, for those of you who are not aware, I'm speaking today. <laughs> Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And I would uh, let you know that Jesse and I talked about this over a year ago, actually. And the time just didn't seem right. <clears throat> and so when we talked about it, um, I started talking with him and, and he said, you know, you know, at some point in time we should do that. And I said, okay, fine. And about a month ago, he said, you know, Tom, I'm going to France and um, I think it'd be a great time for you to share. What do you think? And I'm going, right, Lord. Um, and I started preparing. He actually gave me a month, which was really kind of nice. And I, I started my preparations at that point in time thinking, okay, start looking, Lord, uh, or talking, Lord, I'm listening. And um, I went down two paths before my wife said, honey, I think you need to come back to a certain path. And I went, really? And she said, yeah, you need to speak about what's on your heart that God placed there. And so um, <clears throat> the simple reality is I've come to a point of encasing something that I do in a, a, bit, a bigger picture because what God put on my heart a number of years ago was that um, I would seek a dream I have to admit, okay, I'm, I'm one of those. Hi, my name's Tom Denon. I'm a dreamer. Okay, yes. Anybody of those who uh, gone through any kind of counseling know what I'm doing. Uh, <clears throat> I dream too much. I wake up in the morning, and I've been dreaming at 4 o'clock in the morning, and I can't sleep anymore. And I literally do. Um, I, I told my small group this week I woke up Monday and Tuesday at 4 a.m. Couldn't go back to sleep. It's like, okay, what do you want it to do, Lord? So I get up. Had some wonderful time with him um, until light came up and then I could actually go back to sleep. <laughs> kind of weird guy, okay? But last two weeks ago, Jesse spoke to us about dreaming with God. <clears throat> and I don't know about you, but that caught me. Um, I've been dreaming that God would give us an opportunity to move in ways that we don't yet see. And so what I believe he's wanting to do with us this morning is helping us to look both here, Orlando, and beyond that. So this is going to sound a little bit like a missions event, I understand. Sorry, I am a missionary. <clears throat> it comes out naturally. But I'd like you to pray with me that God would move with us as we uh, look at Dreaming with God, part two, everyone, everywhere. Would you pray? Jesus, I'm... Um, yours. I'm your servant. I'm your voice this morning, but don't let my brothers and sisters hear me as much as they hear you speaking. Enable them to know how much you are intent on completing something called a Great Commission. Lord, thank you so much that you will work in us and through us wherever we are. You've made us light bearers of Jesus Christ and continue to extend to us, Lord, how you're doing that both here and globally so that we might be motivated and energized to do all we are able today and every day for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm gonna see if I know how to use this thing. Oh, it worked. Okay, we already did that, we already did that. It went away? the other direction. Oh, I see why Dressy got confused now. Okay. 
You push the up button to go forward, don't you? No, you push the down button to go forward. Was it Donna who said, you know, uh, Tom, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be good this morning. And I'm like, yeah, you watch. Technology will catch me. Because everybody thinks I know how to do technology, and I do, but it never fails. I, I do that every time. And I tell them, that's just to keep me humble. So let me be humble with you. Because um, one of the things that Jesse told us last or two weeks ago was that dreamers get into trouble. I don't know if you remember this, um, but he talked about Joseph who dreamed several times, got in trouble with his family, got thrown in a pit, got taken off by Midianites to Egypt, put in Potiphar's house as a slave, thrown into jail because of Potiphar's wife basically seducing him or attempting to, and then brought before the throne of Egypt for a time that God had worked. Now, I'm, I'm convinced that God had a really good character development for Joseph in the midst of all of that. Um, I think he was probably a little bit boasty when he was 14 about his dreams, and that probably got him into trouble. I don't know about um, you and David, that king that uh, he also mentioned, got in the same kind of trouble. He went down to see the brothers at his father's bidding when they were standing before Goliath, and Goliath was there for 40 days and nights, basically saying, send someone out to meet me, you know, and there's a supposedly nine-foot guy with a a spirit who's got a weaver's beam thickness on it, and they're going, yeah, come on. And of course, Saul, being the tallest one in the army, probably, he was a head and shoulders above all the other men of Israel, we heard, when he was made king. He didn't go out <clears throat> to a nine-foot guy. I don't know that I would. David comes in and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who keeps challenging and blaspheming our God? And of course, then he walks out with his bag of stones and a slingshot and plants one really firmly, supposedly right there, down, cut off the head, battle over. The Philistines flee, and the army of Israel takes after them. But don't you know, oldest brother Eliab heard him speaking with the men right in the middle of that, and burned with anger and said, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You just came down to watch the battle, didn't you, brother? I'm not. Well, that was some encouragement. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, uh, <clears throat> David got into lots of trouble. Well, I do too. But uh, some other people got into trouble, I imagine. You probably don't know these people. Um, George Eastman, Thomas Edison, you ever hear of those guys? Yeah, Eastman Kodak and Edison light bulbs that you live and breathe and live by. Um, the reality was they were collaborating together to do something called motion color film. You ever hear of color motion pictures? Who hasn't, right? Not only that, they were working to also put one together that had sound and people talking. Because everything up to that point in time was a silent picture. 1927, 1928, they succeeded. And what do you think happened? They got into trouble. There's H.M. Warner's quote. Can you read that? Nope. i got to push the button. It looks like it's up there. Who wants to hear actors talk? This is the president of Warner Brothers, ladies and gentlemen, saying, who wants to hear actors talk? 
Let me just say that by the next year, there were no more silent movies. Zero, none, nada. They all had sound or talking because of that good old, I want to hear what he's saying too. And that moved and changed it. But in the meantime, Edison and Eastman, I'm sure, had to flack from people like Church or H.M. Warner. What about this guy? Film evangelism will never work. A critic said this of the Jesus film as it was nearing completion in 1979. Got it? Who knows what happened with the Jesus film? The world's most translated, most evangelistically used film by hundreds and thousands, literally, of partners, by God's grace. It's not something that we've done. How about this guy, C.T. Studd? When Edison was persevering to make electric lighting and telephones a norm, Charles Thomas Studd was playing cricket. He was a cricket player. C.T. Studd came to Christ when he was 18 years old after his father was converted at a Moody and Sankey campaign. He was an expert cricketer, and while playing for England, he took part in what is a test match that became known as the Ashes. Now, that's a whole story in another sermon. Won't get there. But realizing that cricket held no eternal weight nor anything else for that matter on earth, Studd saw that it was more profitable to live for the world to come. So, He made this statement, and I imagine it has a little bit of a pointed implication. If you look at what it says, is it there? Yes. Someone to live within the sound of church or chapel bell, I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. The point in this is that some of us like to stay close to the church and chapel because it's nice and we worship and all those kind of things. C.T. Studd was saying, I want to go out to Pine Hills or... Past Bithlow, I don't know. Out into anywhere we can find the yard of hell and run a rescue shop. That pointedness spoke to my heart a number of years ago. I thought, Lord, what do you want to do here? And that that spoke to me in this way because it made me discontent. And Thomas Edison actually said, discontent is the first necessity of progress. Okay. So if if you're comfortable, if you and I are comfortable... And I'm, I'm thinking about this because, you know, it, my stomach is already starting to gnaw at me. And I'm thinking, I wonder how many other, oh, I better stop talking about that, right? The reality is that our discontent causes us to want to move. If it's too hot in here, you want to move. If it's too cold in here, you want to move. If it's just right, Goldilocks is happy, Right? Okay. The second thing that uh, Pastor Jesse mentioned that kind of caught me was that dreamers are passionate. And he mentioned Jim Irwin. He spoke right up my alley. I was going to bring one of my model rockets and stick it on the front pew here and pick it up at this point in time because I was one of those kids in school that watched Neil Armstrong walk on the moon and Buzz Aldrin, actually. Um, I was like Jim Irwin wanting to be an astronaut and be an electrical engineer and work for NASA and thinking, wow, this would be cool. And God caught me at age 18 also and said, no, I have something bigger than that. Okay. There. I'm going backwards. There it is. 
I have something bigger than that for you, son. And you heard this passage of Scripture today when the, the, parable, the parable of the father and the prodigal son. I picked out this one verse because this is the one that really hit me. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. We also sang that one song this morning. I appreciated Sam's picking it out of running into his arms. I run into your arms. Because the son knew at that point in time he had messed up and had no hope. He was considering himself a slave. I'll go back to my father because feeding pods to the pigs in the middle of nowhere and starving is certainly not going to work for me long term. I need help. The only help I can think of is going back to dad, offer myself as a slave, and see if we can start making things right. The father has a passionate love for those on this earth, our father in heaven. That's why Jesus told this parable. It, um, it just strikes me at how far the father went. I mean, he was apparently standing outside his home, watching and waiting for the sun to come over the hill. And when he saw him coming, I can't imagine what he felt. I got to get weepy-eyed thinking about it. I'm thinking, my son's coming. I had one. I know what he felt. And I know how much joy it is to see that heart turn. C.T. Studd took that same passion and he put it in this word. How could I spend the best years of my life living for the honors of this world when thousands of souls are perishing each day? He also said this one in reference to how to go out to the field for missionaries, thinking about it. And I consider it for me and for us here, don't come out to be a missionary as an experiment. It's useless and dangerous. Only come if you feel you would rather die than not come. When we're walking with the Lord, the best thing that we can have happen is for God to say, go here and do this, no matter what it is. And for us to find out that that's everything that we can put our heart and mind and life into. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be a missionary to do that. I want to make sure you're, you're hearing me clearly. I believe that there is no differential between, quote, the sacred and the mundane. If I had not been commanded or instructed or called of God to go and be involved with Campus Crusade for Christ, I would not be. I would still be working for NASA or maybe SpaceX. Who knows? But hopefully at this point in time, I would still be as passionate and as zealous for seeing people come to Christ as I am now. Don't come if you want to make a great name or want to live long. That was part of my original goal. Don't come if you feel there's no greater honor after living for Christ than to die for him. The passion that this man exhibits challenges me right to the core. And of course, we know that C.T. Studd died in Africa after serving overseas in three countries and winning many people for Christ. That brought me to the third one. Dreams are difficult to fulfill. Jesus spoke to his disciples, and you've seen this. It's right there. It's been there for the last 
several months. Now, it went away one week. I was looking for it and went, "Uh uh-oh. And then it came back. It said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God's going with us is the thing that makes it work. I want to show you a couple examples of what I believe God is doing. Um, I was wanting to honor my Bible translation associates who sit back there. John Crahili is one of those. Um, because we're seeing God do something in our day and age that says to me, this is possible, perhaps while I'm alive. Did you catch that? I'm a, I'm, I reached my sixth decade now, okay? But it's possible to see the fulfillment of Great Commission. But do you think Bible translation was always welcoming and happy? Think about John Wycliffe. <clears throat> he didn't die as a martyr, but after he was dead, the Council of Constance declared Wycliffe a heretic on May 4th. 1415, banned his writings, effectively excommunicating him retroactively and making him an early forerunner of Protestantism. Now, he wasn't here to feel the pain of that, but this guy was, Jan Hus, 1402. He was slaughtered, burned at the stake. His death galvanized supporters into revolt. Priests and churches were attacked. Authorities retaliated. Within a few short years, Bohemia erupted into civil war. How would you like to be known as Jan Hus in Bohemia? That's problematic, just because he had the gall to translate the Bible, put it in the vernacular of the people. Luther worked on refining the translation to his death in 1546. He worked on an edition that was printed that year. Luther's New Testament was so much multiplied and spread by printers that even tailors and shoemakers, yes, even women and ignorant persons who had accepted the new Lutheran gospel and could read a little German, studied it with the greatest avidity as the fountain of all truth. Wow. About Tyndale, he was charged with heresy in August 1536 and burned at the stake a few weeks later. Man, I think Bible translation is a great profession to get into. What do you think? About 1993, Edmund Fabian. 2016, four Bible translators in the Middle East still getting killed for doing Bible translation. Yet, there's amazing work to be done here. This is an example of the 7,000 living spoken languages in the world and where they reside in the world, Americas, Europe, Africa, Asia, have the greatest, and Pacifica, okay? Um, this is a, another example of where some of the most unreached people groups are. Um, some of the places that God's given me to work, uh, Solomon Islands, PNG, Vanuatu, um, there are perhaps close to a thousand languages there that could be done. We don't know yet. We don't know all of them. Amazon, you heard David and Stephanie speak. David is one of my buddies. Um, He actually helped me get started back in 2015 with doing Bible translation and Jesus film work in the Amazon. He was already there. And um, he was already participating in this, which really surprised me. Because this is a graph 
a Bible translation from the year zero, okay? As in Jesus' birth to now. And if you look at up to 1500, it's pretty flat. There's not a whole lot. There were about uh, 94 translations by 1800. Um, Between 1800 and 1900, 446 were translated. So the total 540. 660 more to make 1,200 by 1950. And you can begin to see what's happening here. From 50 to 2010, the total language count went to 2,565. And from 2010 to 2015, another 510. That's 90 a year or one every four days. Let me ask you a question. You think Bible translation is having a problem getting done? I wouldn't say yes to that. That never worked, right? I still to get it fixed. 3,000 Bible translation portions complete. 2,200 in process. 1,800 a few years ago. We're still needing someone to even begin starting them. By God's grace, that's down now to 1674. Meaning that we have seen progress almost over 100 in the last couple of years in just Bible translation. The problem with this is that um, it's going to take a lot more. Meet Kaliki, Vanuatu, native from the Vanuatuan Islands, involved in Bible translation, working alongside our other SIL colleagues there. I met Kaliki in 2014, and he came forth to share what we have of Language was Luke on the right-hand side, and on the left was Jesus films. We had four or three of them on the left, and a bunch of versions on the right. And that's really good, because that's very important for what I do and what God's doing. And I want to move a little bit from that Bible translation notion in the Jesus film, because it used to be that we had to have a Bible translation before we could do a Jesus film, because we had to have a written form of the Gospel of Luke. What has happened in the last year, did you hear that? 2017 to 2018, as we are now crossed a threshold, we were now not needing the Gospel of Luke because we can do an oral Bible translation of the Jesus film. And the reason that's consequential is because our SIL brothers and other Bible translators are saying, we need to do the Jesus film first. It's part of Luke because what that does is it starts the church. Okay? It sets up the church to participate in Bible translation. It empowers the church to accomplish multiplication and discipleship. And then they do the rest. In 2017, we actually saw this begin to happen. But I had a problem still. We've been doing this for 38 years. By God's grace, we have 1,600 languages done, 1,643 of last Friday. And 7,000 languages to do, and if, for those of you who know the math, you basically have to do a little multiplication and you get the number of years it's going to take at the current rates to complete that. So we have this problem, math problem, right? What's the math problem equal? I'll do the math for you. 55 years. Now, I'll, if, if I live to be 115, we'll get it done, or I'll see it. Yeah, not likely. I don't expect that, okay? But I do believe God is still wanting to do something with it. How does he want to do it? I, want to, I believe he's going to do it with multiplication. Go and make disciples is very clear 
2 Timothy 2.2 is something we've heard for years. The things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will be able to teach, qualified to teach others, peoples in this translation. I like women too. Some of the, the, the best people I'm working with are ladies, okay? I'm just going to state it right out, ladies. Thank you. I really appreciate your work and your hearts. But what God basically did to me in 2016 is he gave me a, a, a little phrase. I was in um, a place called Lou Gardens having a, a quiet time, a day with the Lord, saying, this is good, Lord, let's have a fight. Morning went, enjoyed the time, enjoyed the word, came back in the afternoon and said, Lord, what do you really want to do here? Because I'm a little concerned. We're, we're not getting very far. And he, he said, well, go back to what you always dreamt about, Tom. I said, what do you mean? He said, you know. You mean like what Bill Bright used to put at the end of his letters, yours for fulfilling the Great Commission in this generation? And I'm going, really? He said, yeah, Tom. Do the math. Well, an engineer does the math using multiplication, and he started me out with saying, each one, teach one each year. The next year, each one of those teaches one each year. So you can do the math. It's a multiplication problem. Actually, it's a geometric progression. And by the year 2024, if all those people were faithful to a part of doing their work, we would have 10,000 Jesus films done. Now, with 7,000 languages in the globe, do you think we'd have enough to get it covered? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Yes? Okay. So, yeah, the reality is that... There is a way, and God basically said, this is the way you do it. And he basically pointed out very simply that we have to do it with media in the mother tongue. This is one of the reasons that we're translating the Bible in the Jesus film, because 70% of the world's population still cannot read. And we have to do it with partners. We have to work with people like David and Stephanie Pulaski. We have to work with groups like YWAM. We have to work with anyone who is saying, send me. I'm ready to go. We have to do it using audio Bibles, visual Bibles, Jesus film, other tools like them, because it's not just the Jesus film. In 1986, I went to India. And we got our work done over there, and I had some extra time, and I said, "Um, Charlie, do you think it'd be possible if I could see someone in the hills that has yet to hear the, the gospel? And he said, sure. So he took a safari, as he said. We went three and a half hours west of Bangalore. I thought we would never get there. Into the mountains, literally to the end of the road. There was no road. The last 300 yards, I walked on foot to a little church. We laid down on some mats, took a nap. Eventually, the pastor came, and Charlie told him what I'd asked, and we had a little snack, and then he took us out to a village. And he pointed over a hillside, where you could see smoke trails coming up out of the jungle. And he said, each one of those is a village where people have never heard the name of Jesus. And I went, really? It's only three and a half hours from Bangalore. That's not that far. He said, yeah, that's why I'm here. But getting there and getting in there is a challenge. But there are people who have come out. In fact, there's the people that you see in this picture, the lady in the middle was the first person that I ever saw who had never heard the name of Jesus. She has two babies, 
She was rejected, cast out, probably not married, probably no man dedicated to her, and she's on her own, foraging for berries. And then the rest who heard the pastor saying, I'm bringing a film about Jesus, came out of their little thatched tents, literally, pup pup tent size, six feet long, about four feet wide, and about four feet tall of thatched hut. And that's where they lived. And they were all looking for the same. I love what God's word says. The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed to the whole world as a testimony to the nations, and then the end will come. There, my friends, is the measure. The gospel of the kingdom proclaimed to all the nations, and then the end will come. Jesus was saying this to his disciples. They asked him, when will it come? Okay, I keep hitting the wrong button. And, I'm sorry, I went too far. After this I looked, there before me was a great multitude with no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and tongue, standing before the throne, before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. So we know there are the qualifications, if you will, every tribe, nation, people, and language standing before. So it's going to happen, and those are the criteria. Take you to a, a quick trip down to the Amazon. In 2015, I ended up there with David Pulaski. This is their studio. We were doing a Jesus film translation for the Yanasha people. Uh, that's um, Caesar Francisco and Augusto. And this is Carlos and Augusto, and August, I'm sorry, Gagario, who were doing the Chawahita version. They had come, they, um, the guys on the bottom went four days down the river and managed to get to the studio on time to do the recording. But the goal that they had in mind was this. 55 languages for all Peru. These are church leaders. Um, The the first two, Cesar Francesco and Augusta, were from the mountains. They live at about 10,000 feet, 130 villages, and they're trying to reach all of those villages with the gospel. It led very quickly to this, a a training in Kona in August 2015. Everybody goes, yeah, that's suffering for Jesus. Kona, huh? Yeah, that's where YWAM headquarters is. And we had the opportunity to train the guys on the left. You see a Brazilian, a Samoan, another Samoan, American, a Kiwi, a Togo, Togan, Tongan, Togan, uh uh-oh, guy from Togo, and then a Nigerian, all from around the world doing training at that point in time. I'm going to continue on here to another place. This is Huanaco, Peru. Another place, uh, 10,000 or 7,500 feet above earth. Above earth. How how about above sea level? (laughs) I really am floating when I'm doing this. (laughs) Um, The key about this picture is not a bunch of faces. The guy on the middle, let me see if I can get this to work. That guy is Peter Terrell. He brought his two, well, his one Mexican associate, Jeremias, to train two other Peruvian guys, Roberto and Carlos, to do the Jesus film. This is the taxi driver on the mule. I carried 100 pounds of recording gear with me so they would have gear with, to take with them. Um, did you catch that? 
I'm there with equipment with Peter's team that I trained in Mexico to train Peruvians. That's called multiplication, right? Yeah. So they did it, and now they've done six languages throughout Peru and Central America, hopefully more by the time I get done with this presentation. The lady in the black, this is what really drives me, folks. It's not talking about Jesus' film production. I like that. But it's people like the lady in black who sat at the, the Jesus film showing. This is, um, she was listening to the Quaray version. It's a new language done in the Solomon Islands, 2017. And she's unable to lift her head to look at the film because she was so deeply moved by the message in her heart language. She did pray receive Christ, as did an Anglican priest at the showing. Now, just stop. There were thousands of people that have seen this, and I could go on. I have example after example. I have to cut them down. Um, give you just another shot of a church that went in Malaita province. This is an island north of Guadalcanal. But the thing about you see this, this church, there were people standing outside the church as well, watching the showing through the windows. This is Bishop Mamore of the Anglican Church. He addressed the people of the Sa'a language, another one of the six we did last year. His plan of action for the next three to five years includes the use of Jesus film. He dedicated and consecrated the film on Christmas Day and requested that all his clergy and church workers of southern region Malaita have a copy each. All of his workers have a copy and equipment to show it on. I don't know how many that is, but just hearing that kind of goes, whoa, this could be a bunch of people. He also requested that the film be shown to the entire southern region of Malaita, where the Sa'a live. We didn't ask him to do this. They asked us to help them get the Jesus film in their language, and this is what they're deciding to do with it. One more. Tent house meeting. December 24th to 30th, and you see a bunch of people there, right? You see the people in the tent. There are people all around on all three sides besides that. There were 10,000 people at this gathering. It's in um, a province of Papua New Guinea. The language is Angelhanang. There are 360,000 people in this people group. We didn't know that at the time. We thought there were about 50,000. They came out as a church 13 denominations, 7,000 of them at this group, or maybe 10,000, they, they tried to count, and 1,000 of them prayed to receive Christ. A bunch received, decided to follow Jesus with their whole hearts, giving their whole lives to him. And what I really liked about this one was the little lady in the middle was the one who helped get it scripted along with the Bible translator on the right. I'm sorry, the pastor who is in charge on the right and a Bible translator on the left. You want to guess how old she is? Say that again. Lower. She's 17. She's not even graduated from high school yet. She's DTS, as in Discipleship Training School with YWAM, her mom was teaching her how to do this because we trained her mom to do it. She recorded the Hanang language for that showing. 
Just stop and think about that. A 17-year-old doing a Jesus film, helping with Bible translation, Mm -hmm. and the Jesus film recording. Why? Show me a teenager who cannot handle technology. Just show me one. I'm still looking. Every one of them know how to do it. I want to show one last thing. Um, This is a two-minute video, but perhaps the, the... the icing on the, the, the cake, so to speak. Now, you heard David and Stephanie talk about people in um, the Amazon. One of the groups that they helped work with is the Yanomami. Zach, as soon as you're ready, go ahead and get it going because I'm going to talk over it. I'll let this pass. You can read this. Now, they were invited before, but there was a context that they were not welcome in. They were thought to be killed, and this is the greeting they got. They brought their audio Bibles, and they watched the Jesus film. This is what happened. Pastor preached. They responded. What's more, they spent hours repenting of their sin. This is the line to the river for baptism. They were all baptized. They came back together, they started to pray, and they were met by God again. Began repenting. What was thought to be an unexpected and unapproachable group now has multiple churches confessing their sin, praying before God, because God is moving among the Anamami. They're not alone. There are hundreds of people groups, I'm convinced, around the world that are waiting for us to get the job done. Um. <clears throat> The last thing that Jesse asks is, what are you dreaming? I've um, been sharing one of my dreams with you, but I have another dream. that I walk around this church before many of you are here and pray for every seat that you're sitting in, every spot in the pews that are available, and ask God for whoever is going to be there, will you fill them and move in their hearts, and will you fill them? I'm dreaming. Not just that we have lots of people in this church, that we have the pews filled, but that God will move in our, in our lives and in our way, his way here in such a way that we will not be able to stop him. <laughs> It'll be another one of those. I'm dreaming that you and I, wherever we're at, will be that light I'm praying for you on a weekly basis that you will be that light bearer where Jesus Christ has called you to be. I have a book in my backpack. I forgot to get it out. It's a book that was given to us. And it it was written by some people who are basically coming and sharing how people in the workforce 
can go to countries overseas right now and work in their jobs. Yes, anyone who has a good job, a professional. And it talks about people like nurses who literally are going over and just doing their work so well and being so kind to their patients that the people ask them, so why are you here? And then they have the opportunity to say why. As soon as they ask the question, you can answer. They're waiting for God to awaken the workforce. There's some 80 million people in our workforce this in the U.S. And uh, 69% of them are willing to go as, as millennials, as, as basically he says, it's millennials are willing to go. But that 60, that's a lot of people. He said if just one hundredth of the percent of that one, we double the workforce internationally. That's all it would take. What are you dreaming? What are you asking God for? What are you hoping for him to do in you and through you?